I've had houses that were listed for 100000 and offer them twenty because I didn't want it. And the agent calls me up the next day and said the sellers accepted it. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Do you know how you can benefit from crowdfunding? If you haven't checked out our special series, Best Crowdfunding Crash Course Ever, presented by Patch of Land, then you need to. It's episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173, because you'll hear from the industry's leading crowdfunding experts on how you can benefit by getting involved, whether it's getting access to funds for your deal or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Mike Butler. Hi, Mike. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for joining us. Mike's joining us from Louisville, Kentucky where he has a very, very, very interesting background. He is a former undercover police detective in Louisville where he was investigating murder-for-hire crimes and organized crime as well as other things. At his peak, he was buying two properties every week while he had his full-time job, and now he owns and operates several hundred properties And we've already said some interesting stuff, but here's another piece of info that's interesting. He has never gone to a bank to buy an investment property, nor has he used private lender money or hard money. So I am very curious about how the heck that happened. So with that being said, Mike, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Uh, I take pride in being that uh, long-term undercover detective. And when you use the word former, a lot of people will assume that I got in trouble or something. That's not the case. In fact, what it was, I got to retire early from the police department because of my real estate investing, because my wife gave me a choice. It was her or the police department. She didn't like me doing that stuff. But anyway, um, when I got started with this, I wanted something that was going to supplement my police pension. And um, back then, the pensions weren't that, that good, and a lot of people would retire. And then Churchill Downs, I just grew up a few blocks from there here in Louisville, home of the Kentucky Derby. Well, these retired police officers, they'd get jobs riding in a golf cart on a graveyard shift making minimum wage. I didn't want to do that. So, um, and I didn't want to, you know, be a guard at a church picnic or a bank or construction site because you're trading your hours for dollars. And so without any mentoring or help, just plain old common sense, I thought, well, real estate might be something I might be interested in. And so I began watching all the studying the market, learning about it uh, best I could using classified ads for the most part in the newspaper. And um, back then, the market conditions are pretty much like they are now, Joe, in that banks wanted 20, 25 percent down or a little more before they give you a bank loan. Well, I had a huge issue. Okay, my wife's in nursing school. I was married. We've got two beautiful daughters. And we've got about $1,000 in the police officer's credit union. So uh, there's no way I could do 20 or 25% down. Can you see that? I can see it. Okay, so I still in my gut believed that real estate was my ticket to true financial independence, but no experience. So 
what I did is I, I started off with, let's call them fixer uppers. And for the most part, it's like they were burnout landlords or to settle an estate. And uh, so my people skills were pretty good with interviewing folks and what have you. As a result, I polished that in the police department, being able to interview dirtbags and stuff. And then what I did is I figured out how to get them to tell me what I needed or what I wanted and who they did it with, wherever place they did, where's all the stuff now, how many other ones did they do. And so I kind of polished that and I just transitioned that into my real estate business, working with motivated sellers. I can tell everyone on the call that the number one common denominator in every deal that I've done involves a motivated, they all had a motivated seller. And if you can find the motivated sellers, okay, well then True motivated sellers, Joel, will help you put deals together because they need to get rid of that problem, too. And um, I've got a definition, Mike's definition of a motivated seller, if you want to hear that in a bit. or Yeah, let's do it. Let's hear it. You want to do it right now? Okay, this is Mike Butler's version. I think it described it to a T. Okay, a motivated seller definition. Write this down, guys. It's the person with the authority to sell a piece of real estate. And that person has a problem. And selling that real estate will solve all or a major part of their problem. That, my friends, is a motivated seller. You like that? I like it. So how many times you wasted phone calls and your precious and valuable time talking to somebody that's a good Samaritan, somebody at church or a sister or brother, neighbor, all that? Yeah, it just fires you up, doesn't it? <laughs> how do you identify the motivated sellers? What's your approach? Well, I'll let out this secret little question here, but this is a million-dollar phrase, okay? And the reason I can tell you this right now is because you can't use it universally. Remember I talked about how I polished my system on interviewing dirtbags and then transitioned that over to motivated sellers, okay? So you got to build rapport with them first, and that comes in kind of like the, how to win friends and influence people. But it's kind of like that, but it's a Mike Butler version of that. And here's this magical question. This is a million-dollar question here, Joel, and I, I trust You're going to give me credit every time you use it, okay, in your shows. But at the appropriate place and time when you're interviewing, taking that initial call or interview from someone that wants to sell a property, about two-thirds of the way down, you're going to ask them, why are you unloading this house, Joe? Or why are you unloading this property, Joe? And you know what? Isn't the word unloading like a friendly, professional way? Say, I don't pay retail. Okay, yep. Yeah, and so you won't offend them. But I tell you what, if they're not motivated, you will feel you will feel like the old pioneer speakers or bold speaker commercials or whatever. You'll feel both feet come through that phone and hit you in the head because <laughs> they'll say, I'm not unloading this thing. I just want to sell it. I called you because you buy stuff. You buy real estate. <laughs> but you'll find out real quick if they're a motivated seller or not. And you know what? And I'm, I'm going to switch over here and it's going to get in negotiation a little bit. But remember that motivated seller, Joe? They got a problem, don't they? Is that right? Absolutely. So if they've got a problem, just like kids, just like a spouse, just like your parents or brothers and sisters, business associates, people, if they've got a problem and you ask them an open-ended question like that, why are you unloading this property? Oh my gosh, you give them an opportunity to throw up, to get that cancer out of their belly. And they'll go on and on and on and sound like Charlie Brown's teacher and to tell you about two-thirds of a bunch of stuff that you don't give a flying rat's kahuna about. But they will tell you a lot more, and it gives you a better understanding. Now, after you release some stress, Joel, how do you feel? Fantastic. Who gets credit for it? Depends on how it happens. Me or whoever's talking to the motivated seller. So if I give that motivated seller the opportunity to throw up, and they ramble on for either 
30 seconds or seven minutes. Who gets credit for that? Who made them feel better? You do. You get that credit. So now they're going to fall in love with you and build a little bit of rapport. That's just part of it. Can you see that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I could also see the flip side where they're, you're giving them an opportunity to throw up and throwing up isn't a pleasurable experience for most people. And they're associating the negative feelings of throwing up to being around you. Have you ever come across that? I disagree. And here's why. OK, and I'm going with uh, I've got another ad that popped up here. That's sorry. But anyway, here's here's why I disagree. OK, because keep in mind what your competition's doing. Your competition is using a 24-hour answering service, so they got voicemail, or they use something like a pager with some kind of greeting, leave your name, number, this and that. And if they have a real person answer the phone, Joel, have you ever called one of those uh, 1-900-we-buy-dirty-houses uh, people? Yeah. Okay, so what they'll ask you, what's your name, what's your cell phone, uh, what's the address, how much you owe on it, and listen to what the seller's saying. The seller's doing this. Mike, 123 Main Street, 1200, 3, 4, yes, no. Chase, Wells Fargo, maybe, I don't know, blah, blah. You see what? <laughs> right. Then they might go through a list of 30 questions, but they're never given the opportunity to throw up. Therefore, they're treated, they're treated like a number on an assembly line. So how do you structure the deals with the sellers so that you don't use bank financing and you don't get private money? Okay, good question there. And that's where we sort of got started and we kind of got sidetracked. Keep in mind, I had... Less than a thousand bucks in the police officer's credit union. So my daddy taught me how to use my hands to change the oil in my pickup truck so I could save money. He taught me how to fix a broken dishwasher so I could save money. That's the rich dad, poor dad story before that book ever came out. Okay. And uh, so I learned real quick not to do that. But anyway, I was good with my hands. So I would target the ugly houses like on my old paper route. I had a paper route in grade school, not high school, but grade school and high school both to pay for high school tuition. And um, I would tell them, I'd say, yeah, I'd like to buy this thing. I can fix it up. But let's imagine having a burnout landlord property, you know, is never going to qualify for any kind of first time homebuyer loan because of the condition that it's in. And it doesn't have to be that bad. And um, or like settle in a state with a ton of deferred maintenance, what have you. And so I would, they would be open to seller financing. OK. And of course, they're greedy. So then they want a down payment, right? Yep. Here's another phrase for those of you just getting started and still want to use your hands. And I'm going to let you do that on the first few. Then I'm going to break your arm. So then you're going to start writing checks instead of working on houses. But anyway, here's what I would tell them, Joe. If I give you all my money, I won't have any money to fix it up. I can't buy any materials. Does that sound fair? Does that sound like common sense? Yep. So they'd have faith in me that I was capable of probably turning this thing around. But if they took all my money, I couldn't do, I can't buy it. So that set the stage for them to work with me better, doesn't it? And oh, sounds like it. And oh, by the way, I got a full time job. Okay, so I can't work on this full time. So it's going to take me several months to get this thing. Although I could knock it out in thirteen days, but anyway, I tell them to take several months before I could get this turned around. And so I would always ask them. I said, "And no payments for twelve months." Now what they say? I don't know what they say. Yeah, they. I mean, they just frown, don't they? So how do you how do you respond or reply to that? Well, I'll tell you what. Here, Ralph, look. Just got a little money and I need all of that for materials. And it's going to take me some time to put this together, get it back, and then get the thing rented. I'm going to have to cut the grass and materials. I'm not going to have any income for a while and I'm going to go way in the hole. So I'm going to need 12 months with no payments to help get me caught back up and back in the driver's seat. Now, most of the time they'll cringe at the thought of 12 months, 
And guess where the where they're go to? What's what's splitting it down the middle? Right. Six months. Remember that old saying? You know, if you shoot for the moon, if you fall short, are you a loser? No, you're not a loser. You're just a star. So if you want to go six months with no payments, ask for twelve. It makes them feel like they earned it. So you you approach a motivated seller. You negotiate the price. Then you use the phrase, if I give you all my money, I won't have any money to fix it up. So you negotiate it so that it's favorable to you. Then during that fix-up period, you negotiate 6 to 12 or however many months you want, no payments to them. Then what happens? Well, we kind of got the cart before the horse. So we got down to the to – the, after the price has sort of kind of been uh, agreed upon or this and that or at least discussed – but what happens prior to all that, Joe, is it really doesn't matter what the sale price is. Now, listen to me very carefully on this, okay, because I don't want you to go out there and just start buying stuff and not paying attention to purchase price. But here's the method to Mike's madness here. People will call or fill out my forms on our website to, to buy their house or their property, and they'll, they'll always get this question, Joe. They'll say, well, how much do you pay? And all these other ones will do like uh, – 80% of market value minus repairs and this and that. Somebody else says 70%. Now, here's another million-dollar answer. Okay, you ready? Yep. I pay market value, sometimes more, okay? And let me give you a real short story on this, for example. Nice three-bedroom brick ranch in suburbia, and this house has a two-car detached garage, concrete driveway, double wide. Real nice bread-and-butter, cookie-cutter rental, okay? So I'll go over and talk to Bill and Ethel or whoever they are. And Bill's stuck on a sale price of 125000 and he just won't budge. And I'm banging my head against the wall. He's motivated. Everything else fits, but he just will not budge on 125000 So then I asked him, I said, Bill, why are you stuck on 125000 And he walks me to the front door, and he points across the street. He says, see that house over there? Yeah. He says, that one's just like mine, and it's got a car park, and mine's got a two-car garage. And they sold their house for 115000 So long-term neighbor friends... Basically, in a, whatever, some kind of grudge match, maybe, or I, I can one up you, you know, good old <laughs> males wanting to be the best. Right. And so he stuck on 125000 for that reason right there. And I said, okay, so now I understand, Bill. How about this? How'd you like me to give you 130000 What do you think he said then? He would be ready to get out of there and sell it to you. Did he smile? Yeah, he was like wanting to do a Toyota happy dance. Can you see that? Yep. He wanted 125, and I'm going to give him 130. Now let me let me take this to the ultimate extreme, just for training purposes. Okay, what if I I could give him 130 thousand for that house, and I'll pay him a dollar a year until it's paid for? Does that make sense? You'd be all right. If we get to control the terms, does it really matter what the sale price is? Not in that scenario. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. So you could give them 150 for. It. Of course, your property taxes would be based on that probably. But just this week, in fact, I'm doing one today. This is this is unbelievable. This is how motivated folks can be. Got a fellow who's got a nice four bedroom, three bath brick home with a two car attached garage, and he wanted me to buy his house because he was buying another one. And he had one of those uh, five one arms or some kind of adjustable thing, and, and uh, I didn't want to take no part of it, okay? And I told him, I said, James, if you'll go and refinance that thing and get a low 30-year fixed rate, I'll buy it. Well, guess what the bozo did? He went and refinanced. It got like 3.25% fixed for 30. Called me back and said, I did it. I'm ready to sell. So I jumped that loan. And, and, and that one's happening right now today. We'll be closing on that. Uh, let's see. What's today? Wednesday? 
it could happen before Friday, maybe the first part of next week. Already got a tenant in it, too, because he had moved on and bought another home. Isn't that neat? So you constantly are looking for motivated sellers. That's clearly, as you said, the number one common denominator across the board for all your properties, right? Yes. If they're not a motivated seller, move on. I imagine this is probably going to tie into the answer to this question or what we've been talking about. But I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I'm going to say education. There's a couple of things here, okay? When it comes to housing in America, I mean, that's up there with religion and cherry pie and baseball and all this and that. Very, very precious. There's the, you know, fair housing laws. There's all kinds of government regulations, federal, state, and local. So you got to stay on top of that, okay? And where a lot of, a lot of gurus, okay, will drop the ball is they will school and train new investors in and just totally ignore fair housing. And buddy, you better be on top of that. So how do you get fair housing training? Well, I've got a little class on that. But if you're if you belong to any local RIA group or check out your local board of realtors, they'll let guests go in there and take a fair housing class. So that's number one. And you're going to combine that with education. Okay. So just imagine getting 30 years of experience crammed up in, in, into a home training system. Look at all the look at all the potholes and the pitfalls and the school of hard knocks that you're going to bypass. And uh, don't forget about my book if you want to do that. I mean, just imagine. This is kind of simple. Although I've got a decent-sized portfolio, Joe, it was, I'm shocked that when I, when I do get to work with investors, I'll ask them this question. It blew me away. How much money in your pocket monthly would make you a happy camper? You know what the number one answer is, Joe? What is it? 10000 bucks. And majority of folks say 10000 bucks will let me do what I want in life and pursue the passions that I want. And that's all. They're, they don't want to make 50000 a month and not have time to fart. So, but in order to get that 10000 a month, just imagine this. 20 nice rental houses that rent for 1000 bucks a month paid for. That'll put $10,000 a month in your pocket, unless you're in California or Chicago or someplace where the property taxes are more than the, the house. But that's pretty simple. So education... Get in touch with those fair housing laws. Stay up on top of that. Government is your partner here, whether you like it or not. As you grow your business, as you grow your business, you want to look at asset protection, privacy. And, uh, you know, if you've got something, everybody on Jerry Springer, you know, they got all those attorneys want to help us find somebody to sue. And if you use the word landlord, oh, my gosh, what kind of pockets do they have, Joe? Right. Yep. Large ones. Yeah. What about real estate investors? What kind of pockets they got? Large ones. I, I got a follow up question for you. Sure. So I just want to make sure I clearly understand your business model. So you find a motivated seller, you agree to the terms, you fix it up. And then once you fix it up, what do you do with it? Do you sell it? Do you find a buyer for it? What's your model? Okay. I've got to make one little adjustment with what you shared there. When I got started, I did fixer uppers. Today, no more. Okay. Okay. The fixer upper to me is paint and carpet, maybe a mechanical or something, electric or roof or something like that. None of that stuff of moving walls and putting in skylights and all that stuff. So everything's got to have a motivated seller. And uh, we use a website to drive them here. 98% of my business comes in off the website. And uh, they got to have a motivated seller. Now, I focus more on terms than anything. And the, the style of the property, I want low maintenance. Uh, Low maintenance that are very, very like one story brick ranches next to no maintenance. You can make those things pertinent uh, maintenance free on the outside in today's with today's materials and things like that. So I like to have that a good, good location. And then 
everything that I do today, Joe, goes into my self-directed Roth IRA. And if you don't have one of those guys, you need to get one yesterday or last week. And because, long story short on that, your self-directed Roth IRA can buy real estate as an investment. And do you want to pay taxes on the seeds or pay taxes on your crops? How about paying taxes on the seeds? So you open up a self-directed Roth IRA with after-tax dollars and all the profit that grows in there is tax-free. There's a lot more benefits than that. But the traditional IRA is a tax-deferred program. So be careful about uh, uh, learning about that stuff. But once again, education, you know, that's it, it, always got to be that. education and knowledge is what's going to give you power. And implementation, practice, you're going to make some mistakes out there. Hopefully they're little ones. But you got to practice and go out there and do that stuff. Going back to the model. So you find a motivated seller, you focus on the terms, you find a low maintenance property, good location. So once it qualifies, you do seller financing with the seller. And then so you have whatever down payment, if any, and then you what keep it for a long term hold. Is that the approach? There's four, four or five exit strategies that I have, Joe. Okay, most of the time, if it's if it fit everything that you just described, that's a buy and hold. So what I have done here in recent years since everything crashed is I'm cleaned up my portfolio. So I'm getting rid of properties that are not in my backyard. Not I want to condense and have all my properties in one county right here in Mayberry, Kentucky. So I use one court system, one legal team, and uh, as far as the licensing for the trades and all, not have to deal with landlord-tenant laws in other states. So if it fits my criteria, it's going to be a rental. Okay. Now, you need to know what you're going to do with the property before you make your offer. We've got exit strategies, and I'll go through them very quickly with you. Number one's wholesale. Number two is wholesale. Number three is to uh, wholesale and seller finance to an investor, not to an owner-occupant. The other one would be buy and hold. And then uh, lastly would be retail. And I'm not a fan of retailing in today's market. Got it. Okay. Fair enough. So you have multiple exit strategies and multiple approaches depending on the deal that comes across your desk. Yeah, and see where it fits and how many of those that'll fit in. Back when I was really burning it up, buying a bunch of stuff, Joe, I, I, I recall I had like 24 properties in the pipeline that I had contracts on I've not closed on yet. And then as, as you become a good buyer, you'll get folks, other investors come up and want to get some of your crumbs. So if you've got 24 in the pipeline or 17 in the pipeline you haven't closed on yet, maybe you take your five bottom ones and you wholesale them for 5000 extra. Here, give me 5000 bucks. I'll let you have this deal. And, and I would do that every month. And uh, I've just gotten, uh, eh, I guess with a little age, you get a little wiser and you work smarter. And, and I want to give you an investor pledge, Mike Butler investor pledge for all your listeners. You ready? Okay. Okay. How many times have you gone out and looked at a property and walked away and said, no deal here? Have you ever done that? Yeah, I think there's always an opportunity for a deal. It just depends on if they're willing to you know, go in with the terms that I want. Okay. I can recall I did that, but back around 1991, I implemented my own Mike Butler Investor Pledge. And here's, here's the way it works. Okay. I promise to myself and my family from this point forward to make an offer on every property that I take time out of my precious day to go view. Oh, to make an offer, even if ridiculous. Okay. I have to remind myself of my own investor pledge. Okay, but long story short, if you're going to do this stuff and go out there and look at a, look at a property, don't walk away and say there's no deal here. I want you to make an offer on it, even if ridiculous. And once I implemented that and stuck to it, what it's going to do is cause you to focus more. It's going to cause you to stop wasting your time. And you know that if you're going to drive out there and look at that thing, you're going to make an offer. 
even if ridiculous. And uh, and I've gotten free houses that way. You know, I've had houses that were listed for a hundred thousand and offer them twenty because I didn't want it. It was listed with a real estate agent, Joe. And the agent calls me up the next day and cusses me out and said, I didn't know this, man. If I'd have known that, I'd have bought it myself, but the sellers accepted it. Crazy things like that. I know we're pushed on time, but as you can tell, I'm just passionate and excited about helping folks discover opportunities and things that I never had growing up. And if I can do it, you can do it too. And definitely agree. And I love the passion. That's for sure. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, we'll just have at it. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors crowdfunding. You've heard about it and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Okay, Mike, best ever book you've read? My own, Landlording on Autopilot, number one bestseller business book on Amazon. Get it, you'll love it. Best Ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book that you love. Best Ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it. I'm going to say those success uh, seminars that they used to do years ago where they bring in uh, highfalutin celebrities and uh, get y'all pumped up to go out there and, and uh, become a Donald Trump. And what did you take away from it? That life is the journey and uh, you need your success is the journey. It's not at the end of it. Best ever success habit you practice? Making offers. That's when you make your money. Best ever deal you've done? A combination of uh, getting houses for free and real estate for free. And uh, it, it almost always happens with buying in bulk. You heard the old saying, it's cheaper to buy eggs in the country or buy in bulk. Well, make an offer on 9, 10, 12 properties and make them throw a couple of them in there for free. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? E-commerce. Best ever way you like to give back? Doing what I'm doing now and uh, live training events and coaching, mentoring. Best ever quote. Knowledge is power. And what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Education. What do you mean by that? I started out with no mentor, no coach, not knowing there's any gurus or real group or anything like that. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And uh, so after I got educated and, and, uh, and learned, uh, I sure would have had a lot fewer uh, school of hard knocks had I got educated first. Or along the way, along the way, I'd say. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you, Mike? Hopefully on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean, but uh, I love doing cruises. <laughs> but uh, just at MikeButler.com. Mike, thank you so much for being on the Best Ever Show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about your approach to finding motivated sellers, having those million-dollar questions that you mentioned, you know, one of them being, if I give you all the money, I won't have, or this isn't a question, it's a statement. If I give you all the money, all my money, I won't have any money to fix it up. The question of why are you unloading this house or property right now? And that's actually a question I'm going to use on a 130 unit portfolio that I'm negotiating this week. So thank you selfishly for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> and, you know, the other question or the statement rather, whenever they ask, how much do you pay? Saying I pay market value sometimes more because if there are any clear takeaways, which there are a lot of takeaways, but two of them that are very clear is one, find a motivated seller. And two is control the terms. Those are the two main takeaways that I got. I mean, in addition to these many other things. So very grateful to have you on the show. Learned a whole heck of a lot. 
thank you for all that you did undercover. I'm sure the community of Louisville is very appreciative and grateful for everything that you've done there. And it's been a pleasure. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joel. Adios. Bye-bye. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.